Sometimes they're tongue twisters. I remember we first got in the Bible, we were reading, we couldn't tell if the towns were people or the people were towns, you know. <laughs> I want your faith, and I know it's been active. Uh, I can sense that you're, this is one thing that's so awesome that God uh, and God supplies that ministry aspect and, and function in the body of Christ. Ministers, anyone in the fivefold office, is not any better than anybody anywhere. They have a greater responsibility, and that's part of the holy calling. Amen? And the Bible is very clear about it. It says, don't. It says desire, of course, to the elders in First Timothy 3, desire that place of office. If there's a calling, desire it. But be careful how in front you want to be because teacher, teachers, whoever stands in that place of influence over souls of men and women, they'll incur a stricter judgment. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Bring it on, Lord. <laughs> Bring that stricter judgment on. <laughs> Come on, guys. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah, would you please? Just encourage me. Come on. Yeah, your, your hallelujah-ing encourages us. And your feedback when we're saying amen, just say amen. Glory to God. Just shah. You see, the Bible says this, the anointing destroys the yoke. And removes burdens. And because it's not the Ray and Carol show or whoever's up here show, that there's an equipping going on right, and there has been since the beginning of the service. There's an equipping. The Holy Spirit's feeding. Glory to God. He's got a table prepared for us. He's got food for us to eat, and he's got wine and water for us to drink. And it's his Holy Ghost wine. In lieu of the... Well, just the, in the handiwork of God, I was asking the Lord because there was different things that uh, Pastor Tim and I were going to be sharing the pulpit equally, as, uh, and we're trying to get a synergy in that arena because he's a feeder. He's a pastor teacher. Glory to God. And he's got a place that, that, that you know, this is the pulpit's growing. Hallelujah. My bride can step into it. Pastor Lena can step into it. Amen. It doesn't matter. That's the beautiful part of his grace and his anointing and others. But in Ecclesiastes, I, I was thinking about this because on Friday morning, we all knew and we had been praying, supporting Grace and Rebecca and, and of course, Glenn. And Glenn had his departure, his glory departure about 1.20 approximately a.m. On, on Friday morning. And, but there was something pretty profound of what occurred there that uh, Pastor Lena was able to, uh, well, her, uh, Grace's brother-in-law, Craig Coombs, and is married to Glenn's sister, Esther. But Craig had been up there at the facility because they had to move him out of the house because of the demand and where he had debilitated to physically, not spiritually. Say not spiritually. Not spiritually. 
So he was moved to that place, and uh, Pastor Alina just had it really uh, the importance. Just bore witness in her the importance of Grace getting up there. And uh, I don't remember the exact protocol of how it happened, but his, his heart rate had really slowed down to a, like 36 over 30. His blood pressure, rather. Yeah, his blood pressure, which reveals the heart. Yeah. So they got over there. And, Grace, I didn't have a chance to share this with you. There are six verses in the Bible where the, the phrase, the Lord is good, there are six, which is the number of man. And in one of those instances, the Lord is good, and it's good to sing praises unto him. Well, here, Pastor Elena and, took grace over, and they had that, the last moments of before his departure uh, to speak the word over him, to pray over him, and they sang over him. Five minutes after they left, he moved into glory. Hallelujah. You can all say hallelujah. Of course, there's the loss of that, of the, per, you know, of his presence, of his person, that physical being. But oh, what a gain he has. Hallelujah. Amen. There is loss. And there's a place for everything under heaven. And, and I felt like from the Lord, there's so many things that we have been on page with, with the Lord and following his direction. But let's look at the verse. And Josh, if you would put it up in the New King James Version, please, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. E, Ecclesiastes, but. Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to start there. Oh, I'll wait. I'm not in a rush. Chapter 1, or chapter 3, rather, Joshua, verse 1. Hallelujah. Thank you, bud. And flow with me. When I finish it, go, go to the next one, okay? I want you all to look at the verse, whether it's in, I, I appreciate you more looking at your own personal paper, but if you don't have that with you, look at the screen. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose. Say season. And a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a season and a time for everything that you and I experience and encounter on this planet. And I want to say in this way that that in, is inclusive sometimes of the good, the bad, or the ugly. God doesn't send the ugly, but ugly happens. Amen. Sometimes bad is happening around us. And bad, the desire of bad and ugly is to try to affect our walk of faith. It's easy to walk in faith when it's good. Come on, somebody preach back at me. Say amen. When all things are going honky-dory and hallelujah, you're, you know, you've you got to skip in your walk and your leap. You know, glory to God. Life is good. Hallelujah. 
Amen? That should be in our hearts and in our manner, in our resolve, whether no matter what's going on around us. Now, Ecclesiastes reveals 14 different, 14 different actions, and you could say reactions, or opposites that are categorized in here by the wisest man that ever walked the planet next to Jesus. Inspired by the Spirit of God, he says in verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die. When you and I were born, there was, it was a season and a time for a purpose. You're still here because there is a season and time for your purpose to be carried out on the earth. Now, I don't share, I didn't share anything with my bride about where I was going today and where I felt the Lord's prompted me to go. But as I'm just sharing some of these things with you, I want you to just see the choreography, the thread of what the Lord, through the utterances and the things, the verses that were shared, the Pastor Tim didn't have a clue, some of the things he articulated. And I'm looking here and now, you know, the farmer the head farmer, or at least, you know, the gipper, I'm there, and I have an inkling, an idea of where God, what God wants to do and say and communicate to inspire everybody in here. Listen, I'll tell you what, you have to fix your faith. I'm going to be inspired. Because you've got to tap into the life in the Word of God that's being preached or taught. Amen? Prophesied, doesn't matter, through tongues, interpretation, there's a revelation that's coming forth for us to take hold of. Amen? So there is a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. Now I want to say this. There's a season to plant. There's a time for a purpose. Right? You all with me? There's a season and a time to pluck what has been planted. But they're not at the same time. Pastor Tim articulately took us through the New Testament and the Word there to, what, to stimulate faith in our hearts. That God is good. There is seed time and harvest. Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shake together, running over. Amen. Getting refreshing us to have that posture. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. We love him because he first loved us. Hallelujah. So giving is just a part of who he is. And it's an extension and an expression of our love. And trust that he truly will supply all our need. And I'm glad Pastor Tim said that because everybody in this room, if you're honest, I know there have been times in your life where, like Paul, you had abundance or you had everything you needed. And there were other times you were abased. There was too much month at the end of the money. Come on, anybody ever been there? Uh, yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> But even at those times and those seasons, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Papa, you know, we, you have to stir it up again, your, your discourse with the Father. Keep it fresh. Keep your intimacy fresh with him. Look at the next verse. Come on back up. Verse 3 says, there's a time to kill. Joshua, what happens? Whoa. He disappeared. Okay. Bill, if you would, please. Verse 3 says, there's a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. Thank you, Bill. Now, this at face value, it's looks like, well, this is a contradiction of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Well, the word, we know the word of God doesn't contradict itself, right? Amen. A time to kill. There's a time to put something to death. Let me articulate here a little bit. There's a time to put things to rest. I was thinking uh, through Pastor Carroll coming into 2018, the Lord's saying there are things that uh, he desires to flush out of our lives. So let's say put to death out of our lives. There's things in our lives that need to get killed. Well, hallelujah. Thank you for your response. Amen. Yes, hallelujah. There's things in my life that got to die, hallelujah, <laughs> so that he can live. <laughs> Amen. So I just wanted, I wanted to touch on that a little bit because it doesn't contradict the commandments. And there's a time to heal. There's a time to heal. Say Amen. There's time to heal. So healing is something God has provided in his word. We know we have his promises. Amen? Well, isn't it Andrew, our grandson, had something from the Lord when we were doing foundations with our grandkids. And Andrew said this, uh, something along these lines. He said, you don't need to get healed unless you've been wounded. And we're like, huh? <laughs> this teenager, <laughs> like glory to God. The wounds can be in a v variety of ways. They're not our portion. And if a wound occurs, we get it healed. Amen? Right? You with me? Let's go on. There's a time to weep. So there is a season. And there is a time to weep for a purpose. I'm going to just include in this emotions. Weeping comes into the place and category of a part of how God made you and I. Weeping is good. Now, as men, a lot of times, uh, we, weeping or crying is a sign of weakness. No. God provided it and put it in all of us to express that emotion, male or female. I can see a chick flick and be weeping there. I mean, one of those Hallmark things or something in Christmas. And I got tears coming down my face. But, you know, if somebody comes in, I'm going to grab my sword and take care of business. <laughs> Buddy Harrison, our pastor, many years ago, he said that at a minister's meeting, he said, <laughs> he said, many people accuse me of being weak. But he said, I'm not weak. I am meek. 
but you can take it to the bank. I'm like two acres of garlic. <laughs> There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Though sorrow may come in the night, joy comes in the morning. But there's a time for it. And, well, let me continue. There's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. Next verse, Josh. And that's a little odd, but you have to understand the culture and everything else in the time. And what Solomon is saying is in order to plant a field and to have a fruitful harvest and increase, stones had to be removed. So the casting away of stones was the cleaning of the ground. This is what most of the uh, translators say and and the commentaries. They clean, of course, the ground of the stone, but they don't just discard them. They store them because once you've planted the, 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 the crops and everything else, they would build a hedge of stone. So the stone that was hindering the crop protected it, ended up protecting it. Are you with me? So there's a time to embrace, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones. Why? Because there's a purpose. No stone removal, no crops. Move stones, crops, build a hedge. Animals can't get it. Meet your increase, the enemy. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Well, part of the translators and the commentary say that's usually inferring about a husband and wife. They can embrace, of course, there's a private place and a place for their Love to be expressed physically. I'm not even talking about it intimately, but it's not always appropriate in public. Amen? You refrain? Y- y'all with me? Amen? <clears throat> There's a time to gain and a time to lose. Now, that's not usually in our promise box, and we don't usually confess that. But all the scripture is saying is Solomon's talking about, now Solomon, the wealthiest man that ever walked on the planet and lived here, he's saying this by the Holy Ghost inspired. There's a time to gain and there's a time to lose. Now I want to say it this way. Losing doesn't mean you're losing. To lose something doesn't mean you're losing. To lose something doesn't mean you're losing anything. Let me just say it this way. (laughs) Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. (laughs) Amen. So, yeah, if you lose weight, you're actually winning, aren't you? (laughs) And there's gain by that, yes. I'll tell you, it was a real bummer that when I was going to the gym and I had a certain amount of, you know, they do those meters for fat, measure your fat and all that kind of stuff. And it was kind of embarrassing, you know, with the love handles and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, oh, come on. Then I really developed a routine was going like three week, three times a week, you know, about that. And until, yeah, until my, can we do this together? Oh, sure. Well, she's a night person. I'm a morning person figure it didn't work. But I didn't lose. I lost a pound. I lost one pound after all this exercise and, and consistency 
cardio, weight, you know, just some strength training and all that kind of stuff. I'm thinking, I'll get on the, what? This thing's got to be broken. It <laughs> <laughs> wasn't broken. And I said to the trainer, I said, dude, what's up? He said, you're converting fat to muscle. And muscle has weight. But it's better to have that than the fat. <laughs> Amen. So there's a time to gain and a time to lose. Say, this is my time to lose some things. Come on, all of you, decree this. This is my time to lose some things and gain things. Lose, lose your right to Monday nights, and you'll gain something. Monday nights belong to me. Who said so? You? What does God say? Hmm. Well, lose your right to Monday night, and I promise you, you'll gain something. Well, just the perspective. All right. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. Glory to God. We have some spring cleaning to do here and at home. <laughs> Amen. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? There's a time to tear and a time to sow. Both seasons have a time for a purpose. A lot of times things happen in our lives, and we're just, we just want to get, get it out of the way, get past it. And uh, Pastor Elena had that. Maybe what we're sensing God has in front of us, and it seems like we can't get to it, or it, like we're, we're reaching for it, and it, it just isn't untouchable yet. Well, maybe it's because we haven't taken care of the things that he's ordained for us to take care of right now. There's a time to keep silent and a time to speak. Proverbs says, even a fool, a fool is considered wise when he holds his peace. You ought to put this one, tuck this one down on the inside. Some people are more extroverted. Some people are a little more introverted. But in Christ, we're all the same if we're, if we're yielded and available. Everybody has something to say, but not everybody's saying something. You have something to, uh, but I, I, I pray that we really take hold of this. You have something to say that's extravagant and important to somebody's life this week. If you will take the inspired prophecy of the Lord and say, Lord, that's for me, I'm going to use it. If you use it this week and believe, and next week we should have, be able to have testimonies like, who was it? What happened with you? What, did, what happened? Who was the person? Who was the target that God had for you to, be, to extend his love to? You shouldn't be shy about sharing it. You should, it may be a little nervous, a butter, little butterfly sometimes when, you wanna, when God wants you to testify. For what reason and purpose? To edify. You testify to edify. Amen. There's a time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. 
So he just sets out here 14 contrasts. Seven and seven. Seven seem more positive than the others. But he's saying all these things you're going to experience in life at some time or other. Amen? So let me, let me go here for a minute. We so love, yeah. <laughs> Honey, they know you, they know us. Glory to God. What is it, babe? A time, a time to love. A time to, a time to love and a time to hate. And reference verses, Luke 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, in a sense of indifference to a relative disregard for them in comparison with his attitude towards God. And likewise, there's a time to love and hate. So hate is properly categorizing. We love God first, and we properly categorize. We don't put anybody or anything above him. Yeah. Amen. The word hate there means love less. But the Bible also tells you and I this. It's got many faces to it. The Bible instructs you and I to hate evil. Amen? Hate pride, arrogance, the evil way, and perverse mouth. Hate them. We're given license and we're given instruction in Scripture to hate those things. Amen? So when the devil tries to stir up hate for the wrong thing, say, I hate. Bless God. I hate pride. I hate arrogance. I hate evil. I hate the perverse mouth. Amen? Glory to God. And there's a time to love. According to Scripture, that's 24-7. A time of war, a time of peace. Now, this list of inspired insights about life by Solomon. And I want to say just, it would be good for you just to read through it again. Are for, for these purposes, for reflection, research, study, and meditation. Think about this. If, if in life, from the time you're born to the time you die, all these things will be in the mix in some way, shape, or form. And yet, some of them seem like they are more apt to be, you know, not that pleasant to walk through that season. But when you're a king, of which we are, when we have the knowledge of Scripture and the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evils. The Scripture says, many of the translations say evil. The Hebrew says evils, plural. In life, there could be many evils that surround us on this planet. But there are more for us than there are for them. There are more with us than there are with them. Me and Jesus is a majority. You and Jesus is a majority. Well, how do you do that? How do you defeat things? How comes... How come some Christians seem to have greater victories and others have greater casualty? 
because it's the value we put on the Word of God and our relationship with Jesus. Jesus didn't say we wouldn't have trouble. In John 16, 33, he said, in this life, you will suffer tribulation. You'll experience tribulation. He's saying it to his disciples. Distress, anguish. We see some of those things reflective here in Ecclesiastes. It's not that we will be in some kind of bubble and not experience them. It's the anointing and the power of God, the wisdom of God on how to walk through them. Hallelujah. There's a time to dance. Hallelujah. There's a time to weep. There's a time to gain, a time to lose, etc., 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 and all the stuff. Make a note of this. 14 represents deliverance and salvation. 14 represents deliverance or salvation, the number in the Hebrew. That's one of the definitions of 14. It's used 22 times in the Bible. But 14 is significant, and I'm not going to get on to all that. Every person on earth will experience in some way, shape, or form these seasons, times, and purposes. Yes. Yeah, I did say that. Yeah, there are 14 comparisons that we just read. There are seven verses, verses 2 in Ecclesiastes. Verses 2 to 8, there's actually 14 different scenarios that we will experience in life. Seven verses. Are you with me? You all with me? So these 14 things that we'll experience in life and throughout life aren't, God has never designed them for us in the garden. We know that it was supposed to be his, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden light. Right? We are never supposed to have a hard yoke. And we were never supposed to have heavy burdens. That was not in the plan. But because of the fall, that happens. But in him, we have peace. We have absolute assurance that if God is for us, who can be against us? If, if there's a time for mourning, you don't tell somebody not to mourn. When there's a time to weep, you don't, you don't say, oh, no, stop crying. No, let it out. If you're mourning and we're one in the body, maybe Jesus was sympathetic. He felt and experienced all that mankind did. And in a local body, particularly with this departure, you have both weeping and joy. Amen? So, as we are here as a family, every one of these things affect us individually, but everything that touches you individually affects your family. 
in some way, shape, or form. Our children are growing up in a place, and I heard Tim talk about it last week, bless you. I heard Pastor Tim's message from last week, that when he was growing up as a teenager, him and a couple of his buddies, that there, I forget the setting, but there were a couple people that their backs were to them, and Tim, as they were doing whatever they were doing, but he was kind of like drawn to them. He was drawn to that, the two people. He didn't, they didn't approach him or say anything. And finally, the person, one of the people turned around and said, we don't want anything to do with what you have. And Tim said he knew that that was something going on in the spirit, that this was a spiritual com- contest and conflict. Amen? Amen? So he grew up in that environment. You and I need to model something to our children and to our children's children of that in life and, be, and help them and be a blessing to them. That when you have the word in your spirit, we have to set goals and put the, keep the prize before our kids, before our eyes first. Amen? Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap. Hallelujah. But some of these things that we're looking in Ecclesiastes, as you look at them, they can be either literal experiences or symbolic application. Amen. Solomon selects the word seasons because they come and go accordingly. While you live in an area, let's just put it, bring it home, that reflects four seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter. There is some flexibility, even though we know, you know, they say, "Uh, this is the first day of spring. This is the first day of summer. This is the first day of fall. This is the first day of winter. And yet you could come to the first day of fall and still feel like summer. This is the first day of spring, and it feels like summer. This is the first day of winter, and it feels like fall. <laughs> Are you with me? There was a, a minister back in the early, uh, late 80s that came into good news. He was from Nigeria. Uh, Reverend uh, Alan Woko was his last name. So I think it was Solomon Alan Woko, and his message was, Things are not always the way they seem. (laughs) And he went to Genesis. In the beginning, God. And that was his text. Things are not always the way they seem. Amen. There's some flexibility to the timing and visible effects of seasons. But we know they're coming. We know they're coming. One does not reflect the other. And it's interesting. There's a time for things to be born and a time for things to die. A tree, bushes, flowers, the things that you may attend to to beautify your property or whatever else. There's a time that comes that this thing's got to go. I got to pull this out and replant. Amen. And when you replant, you may not have fruit that first year because that's usually the deal, the shock and the transformation or of the translocation. But a couple of years down the road, you're going to have some beautiful flowers and all that stuff. When you pull up to your property, it's like, ah, man, that looked pretty. Amen. That looked good. Say that looked good. So the same seasons don't have the same effect in more tropical areas. 
you don't have leaves falling off in Florida. But there's still a season. It's awkward. Autumn. Leaves are supposed to fall off. Not down in Florida. Still green. There is a shedding of the trees, but they're still, it's always green. They don't die. Leaves fall and come, and of course there's seed time and harvest. Every seed produces after its own kind. But the tropical climate changes the way it plays out. So you and I have been given authority to create climates for every one of these things that occur. That's by speaking the word of God over that season. Are you with me? Look at uh, where are we at time-wise. So I tell you what, I feel like I could burp already. I felt like I could burp before I got up here. Verse 9, please, Joshua, of Ecclesiastes 3. Let's see what the, he goes on to say. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Now, say context. He has made everything beautiful in its time. So those things he talked about from verses 2 to 8, any of those that we have to walk through can, have, uh, can be part of our beautiful experience. What did James say to you and I? Count it all joy when you encounter various trials or tests. Knowing that patience has, will have its perfect work in you to make you more like Jesus. Amen? Say process. It's part of the process. Don't run from process. God gave me a picture many years ago. that and it's, Connect this with what the Lord has given Pastor Lena about moving on into your next phase of growth in the spirit and in life. It's applicable. There are times in your journey, your Christian experience, that God's going to say, I need you to get on the gurney. I have to do some surgery. I got to fix you here. <laughs> Aren't you glad he does, doesn't do every organ the same time or every body part? But there's surgery that's needed. And you and I have the choice to get on the gurney and say, do it, Lord. Take care of this. But if we put it off, he's not going to force the surgery on us. Y'all with me? He's going to wait until you and I say, not my way, your way be done. Not my will, Lord, your will be done. See, we call ourselves word people. How often do you have that word in your mouth and in your heart? Not my will be done, but your will be done. That's a good meditation. Not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done. 24-7. Amen? Well, that puts a more responsibility on me to really know what your will is for my life and who this person is I'm going to meet this week. There's a responsibility that's been entrusted to everyone in this room. And shame on you if you let it go past and don't come here next week with a testimony. If I was God, I'd take a switch to you. Take you out back and say, bend over. <laughs> Glory to God. How dare you not take the opportunity? How dare you 
play with the things that the Holy Spirit is inspiring. How dare you, as a disciple of Jesus, ignore what the Holy Ghost has said? I mean, who is on the throne of your heart? You know, the chick tracks back in the, in the day, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, they had a pictorial track. And they showed, a, one of the pictures was you, the individual, sitting on the throne of your heart. And Jesus was all to decide. And when that's the case, the way of the transgressor is hard. Saved or unsaved. A lot of times we think, oh, well, that's for the sinner. No, that's for the saint, too. You can transgress the Scripture, transgress the way God has by being rebellious, disobedient, stubborn. Say stubborn. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of stubbornness in the house that got to go. The Spirit of God said something to me, and, and when he said it, it was like, I, I can't even convey to you exactly, but I can tell you what he said. He said, he said it this way, sometimes our inclusive corporate, sometimes our I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that, is simply a smokescreen of self-idolatry, really saying, I won't do this, I won't do that. And then 2 Samuel says, stubbornness is idolatry. It's putting you first before God. Rebellion it is witchcraft. It doesn't say it's like. No, it is. Say rebellion is witchcraft. Say stubbornness is idolatry. Listen, I have to deal with stubbornness. I got to deal with it. It's something I deal with. I want to sink my roots down sometimes on my way. Y'all, anybody in here ever get tired of, of doing it? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the wife. Ugh. Who went the house a certain way now? You passed the baton somewhere. I, you just didn't realize it. <laughs> I love you, Mrs. Shannon. You're stuck with me. Let's go on, verse. He's made everything beautiful in his time. He has also put eternity in their hearts. That man that we met yesterday, Phil, the Vietnam vet. Man, it was. It was the bowels of compassion. Because he was, had a Catholic background, but he didn't know God. He was trying to reach out and connect with God, but yet he, always never connecting. And I watched the, how Carol just began to... And we were both there talking to him, but, and Carol just, man, it was a river of life. Remember that song? There's a river of life flowing out through me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captive free. 
There's a river of life flowing out through me. Spring up, oh well, within my soul. Spring up, oh well, and make me whole. Spring up, oh well. There's a, what, what is it? And give to me that life abundantly, or flow through me that life abundantly. Let others see that life abundantly. There you go. Thanks, babe. All right, let's go to verse 12 and wrap this up. I'm, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm running ahead. Verse 11 again, Josh. Yeah. It was. It was a river. It's of him. Yeah. Exactly. And you also share with him of John 3, where Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he'll not see the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11 again. He has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God has done from beginning to end. I know that nothing, verse 12, is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. Good advice. Say good advice. Well, let's just decree that over our, let's make a faith declaration. Every day, I choose to rejoice and to do good. Hallelujah. Verse 13, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It's the gift of God. Verse 14, I know, I know, and I'm convinced that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. If there's ever anything that needs to be restored and for you and I to encounter in the new beginning of God in our lives this year is the restoration of the fear of the Lord. A reverential awe of our God. Every day. He is the judge of the living and the dead. He is the creator of all. We will all stand before him in the very near future and give an account of our lives. And rather than you, and now listen, he'll accept damaged goods that is saved. But how much more pleasing would it be to the Father for you and I to present ourselves to him as workmen who need not to be shamed, handling accurately the word of truth? And we can just bow before him and say, Lord, your grace and your mercy, your blood, Jesus, is the only thing that qualifies me to enter this. Not one thing that I've done. You could have done all kind of things for God and with God. Nothing but the blood. Hallelujah. And he says, he grabs your hand and says, well done, good and faithful servant.
two ministers that literally changed the face of this planet back in the last century were the Wesleys. I believe their mother had 14 kids. The testimony of every one of the Wesleys was that Mama spent time with them personally, with a family that size, speaking the word of God into them and encouraging them in their future. She had a relationship with God. She had, had the, inf the inspiration from the Holy Spirit of what he had for each one of them, and she inspired each one of them in their future. What kind of reward do you think she's going to get? But you and I have been given the same opportunity to have the same impact, regardless of where our kids are at in life. You and I have authority in the spirit realm. Because you know what? Even if our kids are off course, grandkids may be off course, you and I have authority in the spirit. We have a covenant with Almighty God. As you believe in your heart and say it with your mouth, it will come to pass. Hallelujah. I will not give in to, the, to doubt and unbelief. I'm going to stand on the word of God that's eternal. No matter what storm, and Jesus said that, he said, he whose house is built on the rock, right? He who hears my sayings and does them is likened unto a person whose home is built on a rock. And when the storms of life hit, and they hit, sometimes it's, it's a hurricane, sometimes it's a twister. But guess what? Your house can be twister-proof, and your home can be hurricane-proof. Hallelujah. And when that storm passes, you still there standing, going, rejoicing, doing some of those things, Ecclesiastes, glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. You'll speak to storms and they'll twist, they'll move, they'll shift. We've seen it literally in the natural. Remember that was it Sandy was coming. Our area was supposed to get clobbered by Sandy. That morning there was an unction and we all stood in the name of Jesus. You will not come in this area or shift. Yeah, shift your course. So, man, I'm spitting now. And literally, they said it shifted its course. Well, what are you saying, Pastor? You're, you have that kind of authority? No, we do. Yes, we do. We have that authority. If we believe. You know the story. We had tornadoes coming down our neighborhood. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you shall not touch our home. You shall not touch the property. They shifted. I was angry because a leaf was on our property. I was somebody else's leaf. I don't belong here. I got to sharpen up my authority. Verse 15. Put verse 15 up and we'll close. After I want to have Gracie, just a few with Grace, come up and just share Verse 15, that which has already been. Look at this. And what is to be has already been. That which is, which you and I are experiencing right now, it's already been. And what is to be, the future, it's already been. And God requires an account of what is past. What's he saying to you and I? What's that mean? The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. God in his foreknowledge knows everything that's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen one hour from now in our lives.
God already knows, and he's revealed to you. And isn't that so cool? The Holy Spirit reveals the things to come. Jesus said that. Amen. Personally and corporately. We have a corporate assignment. Man, that glory to God to faith that thing this week. An encounter with somebody, and we're going to give the love of God to them. Hallelujah. Amen. The things, what is and what is to be has already been. Now, Pastor Tim was emphasizing prayer and Pastor Carol, we can't emphasize it enough. And we don't want to be cheerleaders. We want to be inspirers and equippers. But if you have the ability, you're not working, whatever else, I don't care if you have to bring kids, if it's in your heart. I don't want you to do it because you feel like you have to. It's like, yeah, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen Sr. said, you know, when, whenever something was off in my spirit or in, even in my own thinking, he said, I'd reach down in my, on the inside and I'd make the adjustment, get it fixed. Well, I'm too tired, Pastor. You don't know how hard I work. Well, so God's not able to give you an inspiration of vibrancy. So that, so that you can participate in something God has ordained for the corporate. Prayer is both personal and corporate. Praise is personal and corporate. Worship is personal and corporate. But I'll tell you what. Remember Acts 4? When they had gathered together. And began to praise and worship and pray. The very place where they were at was shaken. The building was shaken. That's what I want to encounter. I want this building to so shake. <sighs> I mean, forget. I'm serious. Where there's a shaking and we feel it. And, and not, there's not one crack in the sheetrock because of it. But glory to God, the building's shaken. I miss those testimonies. In the charismatic outpouring where fire trucks would come to a building where the saints were assembled and in true praise and worship, fervent, and the building was on fire, but not consumed. Woo! Who wants some of that? Who wants that? Oh, well, it's just, I'd, I'd rather just read the story. No, I want to experience it, man. I want the trucks coming. Hallelujah. Hey, it's all right. Save the axes. It's God. <laughs> so the things that will be have already been. What's that saying is, is that your future and future encounters or future events in your family, in your own personal life, the revelation of that is available to you. Because God already knows what it is. But the secret things belong to the Lord. The things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. They ha they are, they're not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. We have to access it. Thank you. Good. I have something. I, the Lord just dropped this down on me, and it's for whoever in here. But there's, um, you know, God's given you a nudging at times of certain pe a certain person or a certain people or group or whatever, um, not to 
get in touch with, and you bypassed that and went and got ahead and got in touch with them, and it pulled you down. And that's part of Ecclesiastes. Mm -hmm. And when the Lord gives you that, obey him so you don't get pulled down. So you don't get, we were watching, here comes the boom on the way home. (laughs) Remember how we got in trouble? (laughs) And he said, he said, how do you say? Twisted. 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 And he said, and that's what actually you feel like. You got twisted on the inside. Go by the leading of the Holy Ghost. There's times where the Lord told me or showed me, provoked me, prompted me, led me, whatever, nudged me, however it came. Don't call. And I went ahead and did it. I'm telling you, it just absolutely drained me. It pulled me into something that I didn't need to be in. And I learned through walking, walking with the Lord over the years how to go by the leading. Doesn't mean that person, he doesn't love them. God loves them, but that person's not listening to God. And what they're doing is trying to pull the life out of you for you to fix them. And you can't fix them. Only the only God one can. who can is God. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. So there's a time and a season for things. But stay in the time and season of God. Because he'll walk through. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. Amen. Fear no evil. It's just a shadow. Valleys are beautiful. But there's always a shadow in there. So what we do with it in life. So this is great today. This is a a day, I call it a day of wisdom. 